0: God bless and welcome to this week's episode of Family Discussion. We are so glad that you've joined us today. Family Discussion is a podcast of Reform Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and Evangelical conversations. Jesus teaches us in the Gospel of John that the world will know that we are his followers by the way that we love one another. And yet, it seems like the love of Jesus is less and less evident in the way that we speak to and about one another, especially when we disagree. So, in the hopes of recapturing the brother-sister love that Jesus has won for us, we are calling a family meeting. For the next half hour, let's cut through the noise and look at the issues without slander and malice. It's time for a family discussion. God bless and welcome back to this next episode of Family Discussion. We're so glad that you are with us again this week. We're continuing a conversation about the state of Christian discourse, where we are right now as the broader church. I'm joined, as always, by the amazing Lisa Spencer. Lisa, how are you today?
1: I'm doing well, Marcos. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to be talking, excited to continue this conversation. Um, So... We are finishing up kind of the introductory episodes. We've talked a little bit about who we are. We've talked about where things are in Christian discourse. Just kind of lamenting for a little while last time, what is going on in Christian conversation, why we're not able to disagree well. Um, We're going to finish up that conversation today and actually start getting into some topics next week. But before we do that, wanted to look a little bit at the underpinnings, really asking the question, why are we struggling so much to have profitable disagreement? Why are we struggling to bear with one another? Um, We could very easily just say, oh, well, it's sin, and that's true, but I think there's also some other things going on that have led to this disagreement. Um, So I want to talk a little bit about where kind of broader society and broader culture is, and then I want to get into, really, what does the Bible say? And, and what are we supposed to be doing as Christians? Um, but Lisa, we're starting to see even more of what we talked about last time, this polarization. Mm-hmm. There's examples of this all over the place. Yes. Um, we're seeing this especially in social media. Um, and and we were just talking before we were recording about one of the controversies of this morning and this <laughs> last week. Um and, and Lisa, what are some of the things that you're seeing and examples of disagreement? And then we can get to the underpinnings of them.
1: Right. Well, you know, I was kind of reflecting on, you know, what happened last year when the statement for social justice in the gospel came out. And I remember very vividly, I was sitting in a ca- cafe. I was in Hartford, Connecticut, um, just, you know, ready to eat and then head to the airport to go back to Dallas. And as soon as I read this statement, I thought, you know, one, I agree with a number of the points, but more than that, what I saw was this setup for, Mm. you know, for for kind of plopping people in a particular camp. So you're either for social justice or you are for the gospel. And so everything then becomes a – you know, an argument, it becomes a point to be made about how you are either in this camp or that camp and treating brothers and sisters in Christ accordingly. Um, and so it's actually been kind of interesting seeing that, you know, play out to the point where, you know, now we have, you know, people, you know, having conferences and, you know, kind of forming these, these, these more, um uh, I don't know, for lack of a better word, coalitions, um, yeah. you know, to say, well, this is something that we must address. And it's premised on the fact that it is either you are forced, social justice, or the gospel. So then once the, you know, so once these forces become a more, you know, it it, it comes in a more organized, cohesive form, then it's let's treat anyone who doesn't agree with us yeah. Um, according to the foundation that we've already laid. And this, I think, has, has you know, and to the point where I think there are some ethical boundaries being, um, you know, being tested, being crossed. Um, you look at what, you know, what has gone on with the founders uh, ministry. I've really tried to stay out of it, but just observing, right. you know, this trailer and the fallout of the trailer and the, you know, the sort of stick to of this well, of well we're right. Well, of course, you think you're right once you, because of the foundation that has been laid. We are for right. the gospel. Those other people are not for the gospel. Therefore, we have to in the vein of what Paul, you know, what Paul tells, uh, you know, tells the church in the book of Jude, we must contend for the faith.
0: Sure. But,
1: but, but what is the foundation that you're building that on? And so sure. this, and and I think that this is, you know, that this has very much been the problem where we don't allow, um, you know, th- this. We don't allow a spectrum. You know, are are there issues to be addressed? Yeah, I think there are. You know, mm-hmm. are there legitimate concerns? Yes, I think there are. Has it risen to the level? You know, somebody pushed back. Um, uh, on Twitter with me today about, well, you know, and, and, and gave me this article um, from Al Moller about, you know, 10 things to learn from the Reformation. I was like, fine, but what was the Reformation addressing? What was right. the church structure in the Reformation? You know, those kind of stakes in the ground were absolutely needed um, at that time. But what we're, addre- to me, it does not rise to the level of you know of, of the what happened of the Protestant <laughs> Reformation. Come on now, come well, on and,
0: now. You know it is an interesting thing. I mean, we we in seminary we learn about these great debates and these great disagreements mm-hmm. uh, in Christian history, and you read church history, and there are a lot of these um, really defining disagreements that happen, especially early in the church. Right there's these major back and forths about important parts of doctrine. Mm-hmm. Protestant Reformation is huge. In the really kind of small circles that we run in, the um, fundamentalist modernist controversy that blew up in Princeton was really, really important for the forming of seminaries, the development of Orthodox Presbyterian Church and other denominations along that side. There, there are these flashpoints in history. It's almost as if some of us are looking to be a part of a flashpoint. Mm. Um, it's yeah. like we're looking, we read these stories and we're like, oh, Well, that was really cool. These flashpoints were really important. Mm -hmm. I wonder if we can create a flashpoint. We can be a part of that. And then in the church history books in 100 years, maybe our names are going to show up. I don't think that's necessarily what's going through their minds, but it's how we're acting. It's yeah. we're, we're creating flashpoints. We're mm-hmm. creating controversies mm-hmm. around, yes, disagreements, mm-hmm. but these aren't disagreements at the level of the fundamentalist, modernist controversy. Ain't nobody standing up and denying the virgin birth in the pulpit right. in the Southern Baptist Convention mm-hmm. right now. So <laughs> there are these um, major blow-ups over minor issues, mm-hmm. but is pointing to something that I think the psychologists and literary critics are starting to get at, that we have left postmodernism mm-hmm. and we have entered into and the label is still kind of in flux, but post postmodernism mm-hmm. where we are beyond postmodernism, which was very much so an individualistic approach to existence, right? Mm-hmm. Um what, what I believe, what is my truth is what matters to me. You have your truth. I have my truth. Tolerance is the name of the game. We have to tolerate one another's truth. We still hear some of the language of postmodernism, but I feel like we've left it. Yeah. Some um, Even a couple years ago, people started talking about how postmodernism was dead, um, how we have moved into this new age. And it's a new age that is actually... Um, not about my truth and your truth and therefore we need to tolerate, Mm -hmm. but it's me and my group have the truth because you're not a part of my group. You by definition don't have the truth. Mm -hmm. Therefore you're an enemy of the truth and my group needs to defeat your group. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, we have created new orthodoxies. We have raised the, Um, my orthodoxy is not just around the non-negotiable tenets of the gospel, but there are other markers of what it means to be orthodox. And if you're outside of this, then not only should we not really have a lot of conversation, but it's actually time for war. And um, that kind of approach, that Mm post-postmodernism ethos of the world, Mm -hmm. the spirit of the age, is showing up all over the place Mm -hmm. in the church. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the very same people who were constantly screaming about the dangers of postmodernism have turned around and it seems to embrace wholeheartedly post postmodernism because we have embraced these categories of truth where we're saying, listen, my truth, our truth is the truth, uh-huh. and you guys are outside of that, therefore, you're dangerous. Right. And um, it's really disheartening because it is the way the world is doing things. As we're recording right now, the democratic national debates are happening, right? Mm -hmm. The the president, we are in full blown election season now. Um, 20 candidates as of this recording, um, unless somebody dropped out that I didn't hear of, 20 candidates all trying to show how they are the right person to be president. But what they're doing is they're creating orthodoxy tests and the attacks on one another, is are you within or outside democratic orthodoxy for the Democratic Party? We're doing the same thing in the reform tradition. Mm-hmm. We're doing the same thing in evangelicalism. And I am concerned that rather than being salt and light, we're actually taking what the world is doing and how the world has these conversations. Right. We've just become post-postmodernists.
1: Right. And this is where I think we need to kind of... Uh, you know, be cautious about the charge of oh we're were you know we're letting the world seep in the church, we're letting culture seep in the church. Listen, that has always been the temptation you know of of the church. Um, why did southern churches you know just fully accept slavery and Jim Crow? you know because that was the ethos of the culture, and it tainted how they even read the Bible. So, you know, so there was always this temptation of, you know, of allowing that cultural ethos into the church and you're absolutely right. In a lot of ways, we're no different in our discourse than what the world is doing.
0: Well, and and that's that's why we have to go back to scripture. Mm-hmm. We have to we have to figure out how to disagree by saying, okay, what does scripture actually say to us? about the way we're supposed to speak with those we disagree with right. when we are talking about brothers and sisters in the faith. Right. I mean, listen, we are we are not talking about those who have rejected Jesus. Right. We're talking about brothers and sisters in the faith. So we have to go back to scripture and we have to mm-hmm. discern what is actually a non negotiable mm-hmm. where we have to say, you know what, I'm sorry, but we are not in the same right. um, we're not in the same family. And so now I need to love you as a neighbor, right. and not necessarily embrace you as a brother or a sister. Right. Um, but then, when we come to these non-essentials, these non-negotiable or these negotiable things where we can agree to disagree and remain Christians, mm-hmm. um, how do we do that well? So I think first we have to, and this is going to be the topic of our next um, our, our next episodes. We have to get to what is non-negotiable. What are, what are the, right? What are those things? So. Lisa, when you're kind of watching all of this go around, what are those non-negotiables where it's okay to say, you know what, we cannot agree to
1: disagree on this issue? Exactly. Um, and I will start with the um, the character of God, the the work and person of Jesus Christ, the work, you know, the you know how God works in Trinity. Um, You know, once you start denying and even with you know, so when it comes to social social justice and, you know, those who are driving their stake in the ground and saying, you know, this is a danger to the church and it's following critical race theory. And and my question is, is, okay, who is saying that we are justified before God by the social by the by social justice? See, once you start saying that, then you start going outside of the bounds of orthodoxy. Then it's a problem. Right. Then it's time to, to drop. But is it if, if it's a matter of how are we how is a Christian relating to the world? You know, there are legitimate differences that can happen. You know, can we adopt the secular theories under the bounds of orthodoxy and, you know, and sort of arrest our, our Christian orthopraxy on that? Mm-hmm. And there are going Mm -hmm. to be disagreements, and we are going to get into hopefully the next episode about you know how it starts with asking the question, what is the gospel, and what is is our you know and and what are the implications of living out the gospel? But at the same time, saying okay, if somebody's coming to me and saying, you know you're you know you're justified by God. You know, through you know, by doing X, Y, and Z related to so, so to social justice. Well, then, well that that's when we have a problem. Um, so I would say it's, you know, what's you know what what you know when Paul talks about whenever Paul talks about what's important, what was it in First Corinthians? It's mm-hmm. the resurrection. First
0: importance is right. the
1: first importance. It's the resurrection. Mm-hmm. You it know, is. it's justification by faith in Christ mm-hmm. alone. Mm -hmm. Um, if you start talking about justification in some other means, well, then we're talking, then we're going outside of the bounds of orthodoxy.
0: Right. And possibly
1: talking to someone who is not a a member of the faith when, 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 you know, people reject the, um, the divine inspiration and authority of scripture, um, and sort of make, you know, hinging their quote unquote Christianity on you know on something that is more postmodern, then I'm you know then I have some legitimate questions of whether I'm dealing with someone in the faith.
0: Well and this becomes strangely ironic because we have created a culture within the church where we rightly say, listen, you cannot have both salvation by grace through faith plus social justice activism equals salvation, Mm -hmm. right? If we conflate those two things, then we are going beyond what scripture says is the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. I think we all agree with that, Mm -hmm. or I would hope most of us agree with Mm -hmm. that. Right. What we've done, though, is we've also, I'm, I'm seeing on the other side of this, the reaction to social justice has become you need salvation by grace through faith and you need to be against social justice work in order to truly be a part of the Christian family. Well, isn't that the exact same error? It feels like we have just replaced one error with another. Mm-hmm. And when we treat one another as if we are outside of the faith, mm-hmm. and when we treat social justice as if it is either the savior of Christianity or the great cancer to Christianity, mm-hmm. when we do that, we are treating people who are, that are outside the faith as if or that are inside the faith as they if they're of the outside the faith. Of and it's faith. just, um, it really is, I think, a, a heartbreaking mm-hmm. place mm-hmm. that the Christian church finds herself in right now. Now, I shouldn't say the Christian church, because let's be honest, these are fights that are happening within a very small, small corner yeah. of the Christian world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that a lot of... Our um, let's let's say our, our charismatic or Pentecostal brothers and sisters aren't all that worried about what Founders Ministries is doing, right? Right? They don't care. Um, one of the things that I think may be part of the problem is we care too much about what other sectors of the church are doing. Uh-huh. You know, I'm a Presbyterian. Uh-huh. Um, I care about what is happening in the Reformed world. I care about what's happening in the Presbyterian uh-huh. world. Um, do I care though too much about what's happening in the Southern Baptist Convention? Um, am I paying too much attention? I might be paying mm-hmm. too much attention to what's going on. That's not my fight. Right. And if I am getting all in my feelings about a fight that's happening in the Southern Baptist Convention, I have to ask myself a question to say, am I paying attention to the wrong thing? Right. Like, I know that's part of Christ's church, but it's also beyond my control. I don't have a vote. I don't have a say. I can't. I can't take a side. Mm-hmm. I've got my work in the denomination that God has called me to, I need to do that work. I got my work in the local church. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm overly concerned yes. about what's happening in other denominations, even cousin denominations within the reformed tradition.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think, it you know, in my, and of course I, 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 I can't, um, you know, assign motives, uh, to anyone, but I think, you know, what happens is because we take, The word of God so seriously, because we know that our faith is anchored what God has revealed through scripture, um, that, you know, we, and, and because we, you talked about those flashpoints and because of the challenges that have occurred throughout church history regarding Mm -hmm. the, you know, regarding the authority of scripture. And there's this, and I find that in, in particular, in the little pocket that we're talking about, um, right. That because we take the word of God so seriously, that then it kind of puts us in the position of being the this defender of the faith, you know. And so we put our capes on and we dare anyone to transgress <laughs> what, you know, not, never mind that Jesus said, you know, I'm building my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. C- right. Certainly, you know, Satan has tried throughout history. But guess what Christ does? Just as he promised, he's Mm -hmm. building his church. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and somehow we get this idea that if I am not defending the faith, that somehow maybe that makes me an inadequate Christian. Um, You know, and and so you have that combined with what you just said about the post-postmodern Error that we find ourselves in, mm-hmm. and where we must, you know, we must go out and tweet and Facebook and blog, and we must be defenders of the truth to the point where a lot of times, like I said, we're crossing ethical boundaries. We're we're uh, uh, violating the ninth commandment, and and yeah. let's keep in mind the ninth commandment violation. It's not just about outright lies. It's right. about how you are painting a particular picture mm-hmm. of a person and the sort of... The Westminster
0: Larger Catechism is very clear that woo. we are not to misrepresent Present. what yes. somebody else is saying or what, where somebody else stands. The confession and the standards are very clear of what it is to violate the Ninth.
1: Yes, and it's pretty extensive. Uh, I would recommend our, to our listeners, if you get it, if you have not read the Westminster Larger Catechism um, and on that question on the Ninth com- on the Ninth Commandment, um, along with the commentary, it's pretty sobering. It's mm-hmm. very sobering. And I think that it ought to compel us to really sit back and think twice before we, you know, before we criticize, before we, even worse, you know, treat that brother or sister, in, you know, we're ready to toss them outside of the faith. Like, how am I, like, what are yeah. they, you know, and asking the question, what are they really saying? Where are they really coming from? You know, and and asking those questions before, you know, before, because we're so quick to respond. And unfortunately, as we mentioned last time, social media, and particularly Twitter, has really Mm -hmm. fostered that kind of, you know, that reactive um, response where we're really not thinking through and asking those important questions about where somebody else is coming from.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And so we want to, to remind ourselves of what is non-negotiable. We want to treat those who disagree with us, even on the non-negotiables, with charity, with mm-hmm. love. We want to think best about them. You know, I, I um, spend quite a bit of time reading for theologians that I would disagree with on justification by faith. You know, we read Catholics all the time Mm -hmm. and Catholics often have really good things to say to us about doctrine of God, about the importance of the church, even Mm -hmm. though I think they take it too far because I'm a Protestant and they're Catholics. We're able to hear that. We're able to disagree with that. Um, I think that we have to get back to learning how to, you know, it's that old adage of being able to swallow the meat and spit out the bones. Mm -hmm. Um, We have to be able to do that. With those who are outside of what we would consider Christian orthodoxy,
1: mm-hmm.
0: we have Even to be able to do better with those within, within. orthodoxy. And and it, it does come back to Scripture. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that the early church was dealing with constantly were these controversies that were being stirred up. Mm-hmm. And they would disagree and they would be constantly going after each other over what Paul considered secondary issues. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's writing, for example, to the Galatians, and he's saying, who has bewitched you? Who has pulled you away from the gospel? Not because they're they're disagreeing on secondary issues, but because they're denying the gospel itself. Right. We treat secondary issues like they're Galatians issues sometimes. Mm -hmm. They're not always Galatians issues. And Paul gets to some of these non-Galatians issues in other passages of Scripture.
1: Right. Right. And so, you know, so he tells Titus um, in chapter three, he says, starting at verse eight, this thing, thing is trustworthy. And I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. And here's another question I have of like, you know, just in terms of how much time that we are devoting to, you know, to, to making sure we that people know... These people, these other brothers and sisters in Christ, are transgressing the gospel. <laughs> right. So what are, what good works are you involved in in your sphere of influence? So that's a I question. don't know. It's that's hard, hard for me. I know this.
0: It's hard for me to do a lot of good works when I'm sitting there staring at my Twitter feed. I'm yes. just going to be honest. Hello. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> don't really go well together.
1: Hello. And so he says these things are excellent and profitable for people, but avoid. Foolish controversy, genealogies, dissensions and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. And I will say this, even for people, because I have a list of people where I'm looking at them, I'm like, what are you doing? I know your theology is more sound than that. You know, where, you know, where you see they've been rebuked, they've been warned, but there is this constant attention on certain individuals. So it's like, well, this is saying, okay, address it. And if they don't repent, move on. And it's not like these people are not under the auspices of the local church. They have pastors. They have people in their lives who I'm sure uh, they're more willing to listen to than some unknown Internet other. Um, yeah. You know, this <laughs> yeah. has made their life out of, well, we want to make sure we address, we address these individuals.
0: Right, and, and it's a distraction. It is a distraction from really what the church has been called to do. Um, and, you know, so that reminded me, what you were reading out of Titus reminds me of what Paul taught Timothy in mm-hmm. 2 Timothy okay. in chapter 2. Another trustworthy saying. Paul likes to give these maxims, right, to his protégés. He says, here is a trustworthy saying in in chapter 2, verse 11. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God. I mean, that's... as as much of a cudgel that Paul can hang over Timothy's head, warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you think about that, he says here, remember, here's here's the gospel. Here's what it means to be saved. We've died with Christ. We're going to live with Christ. Um if we endure, we're going to reign with him. If Even if we sin and are faithless, he's faithful to us. He's laying out the beauty of the gospel. Um, it says, keep reminding God's people of these things. So the gospel isn't just what saves us right, but it's what keeps us going in our life. And then he says, and remind them not to quarrel about words. Mm-hmm. Don't get caught up. in." And what do we see on social media? Oh, well, they words. use this word. Yes. They use this. They shouldn't <laughs> use. Why do why they got to use the word whiteness? Why they got to use that word. And then it becomes a fight over what does whiteness mean? Right. And what is, what does Timothy say? Do not, do not get caught up in these quarrels about words. It's of no value and only ruins those who listen. And I think we forget that Twitter is a public Public. place and it only ruins those who listen. And we are trying to have, and I'm sorry for the plug of our own podcast on this. We're trying to have public discussion, uh, family discussions in public places. Yes, uh, Twitter is a public place. Now, listen. So is a podcast. People can come, turn in, and right. listen to us who are outside the faith. But that's why we're trying to make this a place where we're able to disagree with one another well and treat one another as brothers and sisters in a more long form medium like podcasting rather than x amount of characters on Twitter.
1: Right, which it is ruining
0: those who are listening.
1: Right, and here's what and here's a passage that I go back to. I can't remember if I cited it um, in our last episode, but in Colossians chapter four, verse. Uh, verse five and six: Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always—he didn't condition it. Let your speech always be gracious, it's seasoned no with salt. No asterisk, no but, no buts. But <laughs> in this case, you can go flip over tables. Um, mm. Let your mm-hmm. speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. There's no qualifications, there's no exceptions, and especially when we are dealing with people within the faith. This is the command, because, as you said, publicly, the world is watching.
0: Yes, yes, they are. And, and, you know, that instruction, you know, to walk in a particular way with outsiders— to make sure that our speech is seasoned with salt, especially when dealing with outsiders. Well, how much more than with insiders, right? How much more than with those brothers and sisters who claim the same Christ, who have the same salvation, who are part of that one faith and one baptism. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's what we're going to try and do in this podcast. We're going to try and demonstrate this a little bit because as we're going to see in our next topic, even a question like what is the gospel Mm -hmm is going to bring some disagreement yes. because there are some folks who have a narrow view of the gospel, some who have a broader view of the gospel, some who are somewhere in between, and there's legit disagreement within the family of faith on even that question, what is the gospel? Yes. Um, and so, and Lisa, you and I have already talked a little bit. We may have some different perspectives we, on how we define definitely. the gospel, but here's what's important. we Neither of us define it in such a way that creates believers Outside the gates, yes, that places them out there and says, "Sorry, you can no longer come in." Mm -hmm. And so we're gonna we're gonna try and demonstrate through our conversations, through our interactions, through our writing, through what we're trying to do. We're we're trying to say, "Listen, there's a better way forward." Yes, and we're gonna do it imperfectly. You know, I'm a young guy. I'm gonna do this wrong all the time. I know that. Um, I have to learn. I have to grow. I'm going to make mistakes. But here's what I hope. I hope that you um, and, and other people who know me, when they hear me cross the line or when they hear me make a mistake, let me know that in love. Let me know that with with grace. And then hold me to repentance. Hold me to saying, listen, I, I need to ask forgiveness for that. I did go too far. Um, because demonstrating disagreeing well also has to be demonstrating offering forgiveness and demonstrating repentance and demonstrating, showing each other grace. There's so much that we're going to try and do with the hope that people will say, listen, we've got to stop listening to the pundit Mm -hmm. and start moving back towards how do we love each other? Well, Mm -hmm. how do we love each other in Christ? Amen. So it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting ride here (laughs) on family discussion. We're going to hit a lot of things and listen. These two introductory podcasts probably already have a lot of people mad at us. Um, so <laughs> it is what it is. We're going to try and be faithful to the Lord. We're encouraging others to do that. And we're encouraging others to make sure the way they speak with one another is Christlike. Amen. So, um, Lisa, any last words, any last wisdom for us?
1: No, that's it. Just looking forward to the next episode.
0: Amen. It's going to be fun. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. We will see you soon. Well, thank you again for joining us for this week's family discussion. If you'd like to learn more or catch up on episodes you missed, head on over to our home at reformedmargins.com. There you'll find great content about a whole host of issues that we pray will bless your relationship with Jesus, including articles written by Lisa Spencer and me, Marcos Ortega. Family Discussion is a podcast of Reformed Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and evangelical conversations. Your hosts are Marcos Ortega and Lisa Spencer. Our producer is Larry Lynn. Family Discussion is hosted by Podbean and recorded with Audacity. If you like what you heard today, it would be a great help to us if you gave a quick review and rating on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to your favorite content so that you don't miss our next family discussion.